so many teachers struggle with imposter syndrome or just feeling like they're not enough or they're the only one who doesn't have a music teaching degree or they're the only one who didn't start lessons when they were five. They all pick out their own thing. I'm alone in this and you never ever are. Hey teachers, I'm Carly Walton and this is the Teach Music Online Podcast, a show where you'll find tips and strategies for growing your music business. I'm all about helping you automate tasks, having growth through social media, and teaching with the best online tools. Welcome! I'm so happy that you are joining me today. Today's episode is with a very special guest, Nicola Canton, the creator of Colorful Keys and Vibrant Music Teaching. I've been following Nicola for a long time and I was so excited and I felt so honored to get to hang out with her for a little bit and talk about how to create more fun and engaging lessons using games for piano students. Nicola is a piano teacher, blogger, and creator of piano teaching resources. She loves providing resources that really make learning piano interesting and fun so that students love coming to learn. So if you're looking for ways to connect more with your students and to be more colorful and vibrant and creative in your teaching, then I know you are going to love our discussion today. Let's dive into my chat with Nicola Canton. Welcome, Nicola. Great to have you today. Oh, it's super to be here. Thank you for having me. I have been following your amazing resources for a long time. You've been so helpful to music teachers globally before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and you've just continued to add such amazing resources. And I have just wondered, what is it that got Nicola started? What was it that ignited your passion for piano teaching? Mm, oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I found my passion for piano teaching for a long time. I, I actually started teaching when I was a teenager and it was really just, it was just a side job. It was like, you know, working in a bar or something, you know, alongside school and then college it was just something I did to make money it was something I quite liked but it was never something I loved during that time I was teaching the way that my teacher taught me and it was sort of all right mostly based on an exam system and focused on that and I was friendly and pleasant but I don't think I was much of a I wasn't an amazing teacher at that time and then after that, after college, I took a break from teaching because my degree is not in music at all. It's in fashion. So I went to work in fashion for a year. Really? And I stopped teaching. Yeah. And it's when I came back to teaching after that break that that's when I found the whole online world and started discovering all these extra things I could be doing and taking jazz lessons myself. And that's what ignited the, the passion for teaching and everything that I could be doing in lessons because really the drive came from, oh my God, I didn't realize until I was finished college, I was in my early twenties, that this whole world of music exists. And hmm. that's not right. Like, I don't want that for the next generation. I don't want to pass that on as a teacher. And I want to spread it beyond just my studio if I can and help other teachers. So that's where it all came from was 
a little bit of injustice, I guess, at a system that was set up to not show me like two thirds of music. <laughs> I, I can relate so much. I remember in high school, I had a teacher introduce me to playing chords and reading lead sheets and a little bit of improvisation, but my mind was just you know, suddenly connecting all these dots of, oh, that's how hymns are written and that's how pop music is written and that's what jazz is founded on are these chord movements and progressions. And, you know, growing up, I thought that would have been really helpful as a seven-year-old to really understand music. And it doesn't need to be like this logical, like written out thing. It can be made really fun and really exciting and really eye-opening for students. So, that's what you've done is you've created so many resources and games and playful methods to help children have, I'm assuming this, the rest of the, the music world brought into their lessons. So tell us about um, how you got into those resources. What were some of the very first things that you started incorporating into your lessons that made you want to share with other teachers? Yeah, so it actually started when I got into teaching preschoolers, which I did because I was trying to build up my student numbers and I was trying to be a bit smart about that and reach out to a demographic that isn't really included in piano lessons, at least around here. That's still pretty rare these days and definitely was back then to teach students, say, under the age of seven. So I started teaching preschoolers and I quickly realized I didn't have enough to do with them and especially I didn't have enough games because I needed to get on and off the bench more often than I was able to with the few games I'd found from like Susan Paradis and lots of people like that who'd been sharing so generously online which was wonderful but I didn't have enough and I didn't have them for all the concepts I wanted to cover so that's where I started I created one of the first resources was probably the keyboard builder which is just like the group of two black keys and the group of three black keys separated and you put it together and build a piano in cards on the floor and I shared that on the blog and just kept going it really started from that need for preschoolers and also from the fact that I could like I said I did fashion so I had all these design skills that I could put to use in this new way and I thought that was fun so that's where I started it what a perfect blend of your talents with design and I'm assuming like graph, you know, graphic design. Is that right? Like figuring out how to design things on digitally and then use it for your for your teaching. That is so gosh, that's so amazing. So how did you. OK, there's so many questions I have because I love this. Like, I love that you created a membership. I love that you've made it made these resources available. And I know that that's a ton of work and that you know, from not just like the creation is huge and then also building this, you know, community of teachers where you can share freely and just give some some great things away to teachers. And I want to know, did you have teachers in your community that were like, what is Nicola doing? <laughs> how is this changing? Or was it the other way around and you wanted to just start sharing? Tell me kind of how that evolved. Yeah, I mean, I just started sharing it on the blog and I was doing that for years and also sharing some ideas as things went along and it gradually grew into longer articles. I mean, the initial one was just, hey, this is how I use this thing. Here you go, kind of thing. <laughs> and then I started to write more. Writing is something I never felt like 
was my forte at all. Like I wasn't good at English in school. I wasn't um, anything that involved writing. I wouldn't get a great grade in. I was good at logic, you know. <laughs> so I was kind of surprised when that started taking over, but I started finding ways to get more into writing. So that expanded. And then eventually in 2017 is when I launched the membership. And that was that really came out of a need for organization. I have a very organized minded brain, I guess. And I was finding that I had games of my own and I had games from other people. And I would go searching for something for a specific student and I could never find the perfect thing. Like it either didn't exist or I couldn't find it or I would find something that I thought was it, but then it would turn out to include something that they hadn't covered yet, right? So. I find the perfect game and it's got piano keys in it, but they haven't covered, I don't know, dotted crotchets, dotted quarter notes, and that's in it. So now I can't use it. And I kept coming across things like that. So the membership started as a way to have an organized library of these things that you could have menus and filter, like I need this level, I need this thing, and actually find what you need. And the motivation behind that is, I don't think that games should be a brain break for in the middle of lessons or at the end of lessons or a reward for being good, I think they should be part of how you teach. And in order for them to do that, you have to find the right thing that actually mm -hmm. covers the concept that you want to teach. Does that answer your question? That's sort of how it, how it grew over time. Yes, and I love what you just said about incorporating games in a way that you're teaching concepts versus like just pulling something out because you have a wiggly six-year-old <laughs> who mm. needs a brain break. But I think it does both. I think when you incorporate, you know, those games and activities, you are providing a more interactive experience for these students. And because they're getting to think differently and use their brain in different ways, you are being a better teacher. And I actually had this thought, what what was the difference when you started incorporating more fun into your lessons in your studio growth? Oh, well, it's exploded. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, and I do think that's because of, of the way that we teach here. And it is because it's it's still pretty unusual to not focus on exams. Our students sometimes do exams, but it's very much on a what's beneficial for them basis, right? It's each student taken as it comes. So, and parents want that. They want an experience where their kid can go and have a really great lesson that doesn't feel anything like the old strict, you know, stereotype of the piano teacher. And that is interactive and that uses modern teaching methods. And a lot of the parents actually that seek us out are ones who took lessons as a kid quit and in their teenage years went on to take up guitar or drums and play in bands with their friends and they're like why couldn't my piano have been like that like I know there's something missing there where I've gone on to play by ear but I always feel like I'm lacking the theory but I couldn't have stuck with the lessons because I just it doesn't suit me so what's a different experience I can get for my kid so I do think that is a big part of our growth mm -hmm. um for reference, it's not, we don't have a huge studio here, but that's very much by choice. It's just me and two other teachers. And we almost always have a waiting list that's the same size as our studio. Wow. Yeah. I have heard, I've heard this story so many times of teachers, well, 
teachers pivoting, they come to this point where they're frustrated because they can't recruit any students. They're frustrated because students are leaving. They're frustrated because they're, they're like, they're bored in their lessons. I don't know what to do. And I think it is a number of things. I think our society has shifted in how we learn and in how students are educated. You know, they're in front of iPads in their schools. They're learning interactively. Their school teachers have changed their methods. And I still hear teachers resisting um, the shift from the traditional to the modern, you know. And I wonder what, how, how can we help um, teachers who are at that breaking point where they're going, you know, I've even had teachers go, I think I'm going to go back to school and like major in something else or... <laughs> I think I'm going to go do something else and I'm I'm t- trying to help them understand you don't have to change you don't have to change careers we just need to shift how you teach and I don't know if you have any words for them um to how to shift their mind from that traditional mindset to maybe incorporating some m- more modern methods with games. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be games, but I do think we need to make a change and and move in a more modern direction. I have a phrase which is using fun to get the work done, which I come back to because a lot of teachers are resistant when people talk about fun or games or gamification, right? That that hokey word. Because they feel like we're saying, oh, it should all be easy. It should just be this like fun little experience every week and we're not taking it seriously. And what I'm saying is, no, we're taking it very seriously. That's why we need the fun, because that's what's going to help the child to progress and to engage with music. Yes, in this modern world. But honestly, I feel like if we go back to the 1930s and use these games, those kids would do great with this as well. It's not about that. It's about moving our teaching forward and continually getting better as a community. And incorporating fun teaching methods does not make your teaching less important it does not mean that you don't don't get to teach classical music or scales or any of the foundational things that you think are important whatever those may be for each teacher it's about finding a way to connect with students and make their learning feel smoother to them not even easier just smoother and paving that road so that they can actually go along it more easily without the resistance that maybe we had. I'd say one more thing on that, which is a lot of us might feel on some level like, well, I went through this, I got through the other side, and it's a bit of a badge of honor somehow that like Mm -hmm. I put in all that hard practice and I feel like they should too on some level, maybe not consciously, but there's some of that idea. And if you have any of that sentiment, I'd just like you to question the fact that yes, you did get through it, but how many students started lessons at the same time as you and quit and believed therefore that they were not musical, that this wasn't for them? And do you really think that that's fair? It's not not accessible to the majority of students. It's only accessible to people like you and me. And we want to become this completely homogenous glob of teachers who are the only people who get through this system. I don't think that's right. I think it should be open to everyone. And I think games are one way to do that. So well said. So well said. And I think 
as you were talking, I'm thinking about how I think it's more challenging, you know, to think of the student and to think of what my eight-year-old student needs and to not just follow a method book. You know, piano lessons used to be really easy. You could sit down with Piano Adventures and here's your lesson book. Here's your performance book. Here's your solo book. Or here's your Star Wars book. And kind of just take students through songs. Um, but for me, when I made that shift of thinking outside of my method books, and I mean, as simple as getting colored pencils and stickers out and like a notebook and writing. So I mean, like, you can really quickly think of ways to think outside of that method book and suddenly that student is talking to you. They're not just staring at you. I mean, you're having this like dialogue that for me did not exist before I made that shift. So Nicola and I are encouraging all teachers everywhere (laughs) to think outside the box. And I, I think we can truly promise teachers that as they make those shifts, they will see a change in their studio growth. And because we've witnessed it and we've watched other teachers witness it as well. Yeah, that's so true. And I love what you just said about taking out colored pencils or stickers. Whatever is the first step for you, just try one new thing each week. Don't try to overhaul your entire teaching program. Don't throw the method book out the window if you love your method book. Just try one thing that's a little bit different every week and you'll learn something which will mean you're more engaged in lessons. It'll be more fun for you and the student will see that and it'll be more fun for them too. You're just creating like a vibrant studio, right? That's what we're doing. (laughs) Absolutely. More color, the better. (laughs) Yes. I want to hear about your shift during the pandemic when you yourself, when you were having to shift online, how did that go with your studio and with how you then thought about having an interactive lesson? Yeah, look, I was in a lucky position in that I had taught online before. And not only that, but I run this online community. So I'm pretty comfortable with Zoom and with setting up cameras and that kind of thing. It doesn't mean it wasn't challenging for me, but I just want to acknowledge that I was starting from a place where I did understand something. So I know it was a lot harder for many, many teachers. I had basically a day to sort it out <laughs> the way it worked out in in Ireland. The announcement was made and they were like, from tomorrow. So off we went as uh, schools were closed and it was tough. I was pivoting not only my my own teaching, which was one thing and I felt more prepared for, but at the time, three other teachers, because I had two part-time and one fuller time, Mm -hmm. um, who had never taught online. So I was trying to get webcams to them and sort them out and make sure they understood how to teach effectively, because I didn't want our lesson quality to drop. And it took some work, but we, we got up and running and we added things as we went. And I tried to keep keeping it engaging for the kids um, and finding ways to incorporate games still and getting them up off the bench um, and all the things we normally need to teach. So I learned a little bit as I went along, but we I focused on, okay, this still needs to be a great lesson experience. Some things are going to be different to before, but I still want it to be excellent, not just good enough for a Zoom lesson, not just better than nothing, but still great. And how can I do that? So I added one thing at a time to try and achieve that. And I think parents 
did really appreciate that. They especially appreciated that mostly with piano, the kid showed up and we would take it from there. We very rarely needed the parents' help, which wasn't mm-hmm. the case with their schooling a lot of the time, which was fair enough. No, I'm not saying anything against the school teachers. If you're managing a whole bunch of, you know, seven-year-olds, that is pretty impossible. I do understand that. But that at least they had this steadiness in their week and that they could show up and still have that connection one-on-one or two-on-one with us. So that's a broad overview. But in the midst of that, I was also switching all of or trying to provide resources for all the teachers through the membership and through our blog and everything. Yeah. So that was the other side. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You're helping teachers take these materials you've created and make them applicable online. I would love to hear, was there a favorite, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but is there a favorite activity that your teachers that you've worked with or that you really loved when you made that switch online that kind of stuck around? Was there an activity that really worked even though you were teaching to a screen? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there's loads. I mean, a lot of the the basic oral games that I do, the ear training stuff I do, I just do three, however many actions. Like, is it this or this? So two actions. Is it loud or soft would be like a lion face and a, and a bunny or something like that, right? So you're doing two different things. That was something that I straight away took online because I knew I needed to get them to move because they were just frozen on a bench. And mm. even if it means them going off screen for a second, that's fine with me. Like, I trust them to stay in the room and not go play with their toys or something. But they need to get on and off the bench still. So that was something that's extremely simple that we applied right away. But the highlight of the online resources didn't actually come from me. This came from the community. So I had started making specific stuff for online. And I didn't know where we were going to go from there or how we would adapt the more printable resources that we create all the time and a member actually find a way to put it into powerpoint or google slides i can't remember which one and he recorded a video like this is how i did it i know it's kind of rough but nicola said i could share it so here you go if you want to try putting one in and it was because of him figuring out like oh i could use animation to do the cards like we hadn't really thought of that at this stage And we started putting all of our newer games into Google Slides from then on as well. So we've still been doing that. There's still two versions of everything, which of course doubled our work, but it was amazing to provide that for teachers. And loads of teachers are still using them, even if they're in person, because you don't necessarily want to be as close as before. So -hmm. having them on a screen can often be a lot more convenient. And also, if you're just doing sometimes online lessons, you can switch back and forth and it doesn't make a difference then if you've both versions. So members have created their own adaptations through that. And then we have loads of them by this stage that are in Google Slides. That is so neat. I've seen materials popping up on websites and in um, Teachers Pay Teachers and on through your sharing as well. And I think that what a neat way to be innovative with the tools that we already have, like Google Slides or Canva is another one, or just recording a screen share. I think that, yeah, that's so great. And, you know, it reduces the materials, the number of materials you have in your studio if, if they choose, you know, they opt for the digital version, right? <laughs> yeah, and even if you still print some things, it means you have more at your fingertips because then you can have some that you just keep on the 
Google Drive or you can adapt it in lots of different ways. So we're all about flexibility. So it's been great to be able to provide that. Can you share about Teacher Turbo Boost and what inspired this conference? We all know creating, creating a digital conference for you know, the music education world is not an easy task. So what inspired it? And tell us a little more about it. Yeah, so Teacher Turbo Boost, we did it the first time last year. And um, we did it, so that was 2021. Yeah, I have to keep track of my years. Um, and that was just... I felt like the energy was lagging and this was maybe in my own brain, but it felt like it was in the community, the broader community, not just VMT as a whole, that, you know, we had been through 2020, everyone had been so excited going into 2021. And then January, at least here, was like one of our worst months to date, to date then. Now we're much worse, but it was like this terrible period COVID wise for us and everyone was just a bit down and I felt like they needed a boost literally to get into the last two months of the year. So that was why the timing happened was I was like, well, most of us are going to have May and June after this. How can we go into that feeling really enthusiastic about teaching so that we finish the year on a high? That was really what it was all about. And I designed it to be this five day live experience with um, pre-recorded sessions from our guests, but with me live the entire time so that we could experience it as a community in the chat and have these daily Zoom calls, which we call huddles. So they're split up into breakout rooms and it's all about discussion. So it's quite a different kind of format to most conferences. We do these three hours every day, not two days of like eight to 10 hours, but three hours every day for five days. So it's really kind of focused in that way. And it it was magical. Like it was it was such so a wonderful cool. experience for me and for the attendees last year. So we've decided to do it again. Oh, it's so helpful. It's so helpful for you to provide something where you have these curated, you know, this curated content and coming from presenters that you that you trust and approve and also that they are pre presenting on such a variety of topics um, that can really be so helpful for teachers. So tell me what you're looking forward to most for this the upcoming Turbo Boost in April, right? Yeah, in April. So it's um, Easter week because that's when we're off. I, I'm off teaching here in Ireland. Our breaks are um, based on Easter. So that's when it, why it's then because it needs to be afternoon for me so that it's morning time in the US. Anyway, um, yeah, what am I looking forward to the most? I hate picking out individual sessions because then I feel like <laughs> I'm going to forget someone. Of course, oh, I'm it's okay. Your session. <laughs> but I, I'm most looking forward to honestly connecting with the community and doing our little fun things. Like we, we have a dance break in the middle of the day and we have a nature break. So we have these fun little traditions. I'm looking forward to picking those up again, but we have amazing sessions coming up from the likes of Samantha Coates and Fred Karpoff is gonna be there and Tim Topham and loads of other fantastic people. Um, and I get to watch all the sessions ahead of time <laughs> before I put them into the conference. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Well, teachers can sign up for this. We'll share a link in the show notes so that they can get access to that and 
Gosh, I, I can't think of a better way, like you said, to end your teaching year, you know, to end or to motivate you to end your teaching year. Some, you yeah. know, teachers that go through May and June and they're maybe getting into virtual recitals, they're getting into helping with exams or certifications, you know, college prep, things like that. There's There are ways to have professional development for teachers that is imaginative and exciting and a, a fun way to connect. And I think it's amazing that since the pandemic, I feel like piano teachers everywhere are now less isolated than they've ever been because it's forced us to kind of come together and create community because we've all had so many issues and struggles and challenges. It's like everyone has just been like, help, help me, help me, help me, help me. And, you know, within the community, I know you've seen this within yours inside the Teach Music Online community just the most amazing friendships have formed. And, you know, I'm watching teachers connect and someone will post a question and someone will comment and say, are you free? Let's get on Zoom in an hour. And I'm like, I'm, you know, just watching, witnessing this happen. And, you know, teachers who want to hire other teachers or start group classes or, you know, raise their rates and they need encouragement. I just think it's so valuable to take those opportunities to connect with other teachers and, even if you're like an introvert and you aren't the person who's, you know, maybe in front of the camera or asking all the questions, it's still so helpful to have the feedback and the encouragement and the validation that other teachers offer when you're in those communities. Yeah, it's extremely important. I mean, I think it's everything because we know so many teachers struggle with imposter syndrome or just feeling like they're not enough. I mean, there's resources that we put out there to try and help with that like we do a report every year which is based on a survey we put together and I really started that for the same reason which is so many teachers think that they're the only one no matter what they're talking about they feel like they're the only one with x they're the only one who doesn't know what we're talking about when we say intervallic reading and they're too afraid to ask or they're the only one who doesn't have a music teaching degree or they're the only one who didn't start lessons when they were five. They all pick out their own thing, but there's always something that feel, people feel like, I'm alone in this. And you never, ever are. There's always tons of other teachers out there feeling the same way or with the same struggle or the same little giggle they're having in their lessons. It could be anything, but it's important to reach out to other teachers so that you see that you're not alone. You never are. And if you ask the question, you can move forward with it. Thank you so much, Nicola, for being here today, for sharing all of your bright ideas and information with us and experiences. I can't wait to share this with teachers inside the Teach Music Online community. And thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you. That was such a pleasure to chat with you. A huge thank you to Nicola for coming on the Teach Music Online podcast. I loved visiting with her. I felt like we could have chatted all day long. And I'm so excited to share with you in the show notes links to all of the resources that she has mentioned today, along with a 10% off discount code to Teacher Turbo Boost, which is happening April 11th through the 15th. That's the conference that she mentioned. That sounds amazing. And I'm also presenting at the conference. I'm so excited to be sharing a workshop all about creating an awesome studio website. So that will be available at Teacher Turbo Boost in April as well. You can find all of those links in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and I will see you next week. 
Who is your business coach? If you don't have one, I would be so honored to be your coach. I created a virtual course and coaching membership called Teach Music Online that I want to invite you to join me in. With 60 plus videos, online teaching certification, monthly live group sessions, hundreds of hours of recordings, and online forums, you'll know exactly how to create a thriving online business that gives you the flexibility and freedom that I know you deserve. Plus, you'll have the support of hundreds of like-minded teachers along the way. So when you're ready to really take what you're learning on this podcast to the 10x level, then come check out the Teach Music Online membership at teachmusic.online forward slash membership. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have an amazing week and as always, happy teaching.